Hello, I'm John Rossi, a touring drummer with a love of all things animal. When I'm on the road, I visit as many zoos, aquariums. Hey, wait a minute. What's going on? Hey, what's going on there? Hello? Hello? We interrupt your regularly scheduled program to bring you Rossafari Zoo News. News you can use from the world of zoos and conservation. Every week, we bring you breaking news and analysis from around the globe, featuring the animals you love and the people who care for them. And here's your anchorman, John Rossi. Hello, 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 and welcome back to Rossafari Zoo News, your look at everything in the news of zoos, aquariums, animals, conservation, all that good stuff. I am coming to you this week from my hotel room at the Hard Rock Casino in Atlantic City. I'm recording this episode on Thursday, and we just finished our first mega rehearsal for Under the Sun, the show that I created and have done the music arrangements with and am directing and performing in and wrote the script for. And just, it's my show. It's my show, y'all. It's my freaking show. And... um yeah, I know I told this story a little while ago on here, but I don't care. I'm going to tell it again. Uh, I came up with the idea for this show a while ago and never really did anything about it. And then one day I was chilling in Buffalo earlier this year between the two major crazy periods of the year that I have experienced. And um, I was just sitting on the couch and I came up uh, with the idea that I should start writing this thing. So I wrote the first couple pages of it, and then Paradiddle, my puppy, wanted to play fetch. So I said, okay. And while I was playing fetch with Paradiddle, I kept going, uh, you know, around and around in my brain with different song ideas and story ideas and such. And so I, uh, yeah, I just, we played fetch for a while, and then I walked back in and, and typed some more, and then she wanted to play fetch some more, and so I did that and thought about more ideas, and then I went and I, I you know, typed them up. And by the end of that day, I had written an entire script. And um, that script really got some attention. And uh, now here we are developing the show and uh, opening it on Saturday for the world premiere at the Hard Rock Casino in Atlantic City. It blows my mind. I cannot believe that some idea that I had while playing fetch with a dog is now on stage at a famous touring venue where I've like played with Million Dollar Quartet and stuff. It's really exciting. I am I am just honored to be here and, and so happy about it. But I'm also freaking exhausted. We spent all day working on the show today. And uh, as I start recording this, it is 7.30 in the evening. And I'm going to record as much as I can now and then head off to a rehearsal that's going from eight until question mark. And then I'll come back and, and finish up this episode. But uh, I will tell you, I would not be entirely surprised if this is a relatively short episode this week because y'all – I am dragon, and I don't mean the cool, fire-breathing, lizardy type thing. I, I like those, though. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's crazy. Um, for those of you who have been following along, though, you know that my entire year has been freaking crazy and that I've been just going through a lot of really good and really bad things, but all stuff that is just very, uh, very much a lot. 
And uh, this is this is the last thing on the schedule for that. And I realize that you know I say that, but then the year ends two weeks later. Um, but I don't know. For what seems like the last year, it's just been nonstop cuckoo banana pantsness. That's the scientific term. And uh, now it's finally going to start to slow down. So I'm excited to get this show up. I'm excited to launch it, and I'm excited to to sleep to sleep afterwards possibly until 2023 or, you know, 2024. We'll see. But anyway, yeah, I don't know. It's just cool. And I know y'all appreciate the stuff that I do. Actually, you know what? I'm going to take a minute right here and thank all of you. Because Rasafari is the first type of thing that I developed and launched on its own ever. You know, I've been parts of bands and parts of things. But this was the first thing that was my baby. And it has worked. It has worked so well. It has changed my life. It has changed other lives. It has exceeded any expectations that anybody had for it. And I honestly think if that wasn't the case, then I wouldn't have done Under the Sun. Because, you know, once, you, once you've created something once, then you know you can do it. And then it's like, then you just got to do it some more. Um, so I want to thank all of you who listen and have been a part of the Rastafari family for giving me the courage to keep developing new things and, and building new things. I, uh, I really appreciate y'all and I really appreciate what this pod has become. Okay, enough about that. This is Rastafari Zoo News. If you're new, uh, first of all, boy, did you just get a whole long monologue about my life. Sorry about that. But um, yeah, if you're new here, you can tag me in stories on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at Rossafari, on TikTok at Rossafari Pod, or you can email me stories, uh, rossafaripod at gmail.com, and I'll say your name at the end of the episode, and you'll help me create the, these you know future Zoo News episodes, and it'll be awesome. Um, yeah, and Patreon, blah, blah, blah. You know you can support the pod and go to patreon.com slash Rossafari and okay did i mention i'm tired i think i i think i sound tired okay anyway let's get to it well it's one for the pennies two for the bears three for the markers now you should care now won't you listen to zoom news oh you could do anything but why not listen to zoom news All right, so we're starting off this week uh, with a story that I don't have the story for yet. Um, So as this episode drops, it will be Friday, December 16th, and uh, that is the day that USA Today is releasing its winners of 2022's Best Zoo Lights competition. Uh, This is one of the many USA Today things that I've told you all about where it's just based on fan voting. I can basically guarantee you that the Cincinnati Zoo is going to win, and the reason I can basically guarantee you that is because there is a human being on the uh, Cincinnati Zoo member page who posts links and encourages people to vote every day, and they take it very seriously, and so they're going to win. Probably. And, um, you know, that's cool. That's fine. Uh, it, they do have, I mean, it is really gorgeous there with their, their holiday lights. But, um, you know, that's, that's how seriously I take these things. But I do know that some people are interested. So you can go and just do a Google search, uh, USA Today Best Zoo Lights 2022. And as of the release of this episode, you will be able to see who won. I actually think it's going to hit on noon, if I remember correctly, on Friday. 
So if you're a morning listener, you might have to wait a little bit. But uh, yeah, so you'll be able to find that out, and I may or may not talk about it more next week, depending on how light my other content is. Um, and speaking of just kind of funny internet-y type things and zoos, uh, I got a bit of a a, a follow-up to a, a story that I told you all about a few weeks ago that just had me in stitches. So you may remember that I told y'all that Fiona and Tucker, the new male adult hippo at the Cincinnati Zoo, who is the father of Fritz, the uh, hippo baby, the hiplet, if you will, uh, at the Cincinnati Zoo, um, you know, Fiona and Tucker have been exhibiting some breeding behavior, and she's on birth control, and this is all perfectly natural. But I I did mention that um, a lot of people in the various Fiona and Cincinnati Zoo groups were freaking out because she's just a baby, and she's so small, and that's our little girl, and... um, um, they they did not really appreciate it. A whole lot of people have done the very specific anthropomorphism thing of just saying that, you know, Tucker is her stepdad. And as such, this is just wildly inappropriate. And it's not, but um, it has been freaking people out, which is hilarious to me. Well, the follow-up comes from San Antonio Zoo. You may remember that there is a young hippo at the San Antonio Zoo named Timothy, and that Timothy sends Fiona all kinds of adorable little love letters and has even sent her gifts and such. Now, you may also remember from our episode about Fiona at Cincinnati that the zoo chooses not to participate too often. Every once in a while, the Cincy Zoo has sent a little gift back. Fiona does not write back to Timothy, and it is just kind of a a one-way, one-way thing. Uh, Well... (laughs) Uh, Timothy recently sent another love letter to Fiona, and if you go to the San Antonio Zoo's page, you'll be able to read it, and it's cute, and um, the comments underneath it have gotten to the point of ridiculousness. Uh, So first of all, there are a whole bunch of people in San Antonio who now apparently expect these two to get a breeding recommendation. There are also a bunch of people who expect that to happen who then expect Fiona to go to San Antonio. They think they're going to get Fiona at their zoo. Now, we've talked about the complexities of zoo animals and the SSP and the fact that they do move for breeding a lot. But I know that I've mentioned this to you before on this podcast, and we've had people like Sarah Glass, who heads up the Red Panda SSP, talk about the fact that zoos can choose to not move their animals if there is a good reason. Fiona being the queen of Cincinnati and the most beloved thing at the zoo – is a dang good reason. So it seems to me like these Tucker letters have maybe caused at least a small but vocal percentage of the people at the San Antonio Zoo uh, to be misled to think that A, there will be a breeding wreck, and that B, uh, they're getting Fiona. And I just don't see that happening. You you never know, but uh, I pretty much know. That's, That's probably not going to happen. But then where this gets even funnier and weirder and and more zoo news worthy um, is that a bunch of people from Cincinnati have been going into the, the comments where people are saying cute things about Timothy and Fiona 
and basically saying, yo, she's hooking up with Tucker, Timothy, you need to calm down. Like she's already an adult and doing breeding things and just wreaking havoc. It's the, frankly, it's, it's the nerdiest trolling I've seen in quite some time. And it's, it's very specific and very weird, but, um, yeah, there was a whole lot of awkward conversation happening in the comment section of that photo. So, uh, if you're really bored or you want to see some funny stuff, uh, unless the zoo has deleted those, there's a lot of really weird and awkward stuff there that you can go and check out. Enjoy. A penguin named Pichu, after the Pokemon, uh, who lives at the John Ball Zoo, recently needed emergency surgery after swallowing a dime that was thrown into the penguin habitat at the zoo. Uh, Most likely, Pichu uh, took a look at the dime, which looked all silvery and shiny, and assumed that it was a fish, and thus ate it. And it turns out dimes aren't good for penguins, and as such, emergency surgery was performed. Uh, So yeah, this is both a great reminder to not throw stuff into exhibits, and also of the fact that zoo veterinarians are incredible, and they were able to save Pichu's life. Whereas had that happened in the wild, and Pichu was unfortunate enough to run up against some total a-hole, yeah, Pichu would be dead. So I guess the the moral of the story is don't be an a-hole when you go to the zoo. But I know that all of my listeners already know that. The Henry Dorley Zoo and Aquarium in Omaha, Nebraska, recently announced the birth of four cheetah cubs to Mother Cleo and Father Rifu. The Henry Dorley Zoo just seems like one of those places that always does a great job breeding cheetahs. I have seen some really adorable cubs there in the past. And with these new cubs, 20 cheetahs currently live at the safari park of the zoo, as well as five additional female cheetahs that live uh, on exhibit and two male cheetahs that live off exhibit. So that's a whole lot of cheetahs. Uh, but, you know, they're doing a great job with the breeding, so it all works out. Yay, baby cheetahs. Or cheatlets. Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom television show has officially come back after many years. And uh, this time it's called um, Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom Protecting the Wild. And it is a series that goes to a lot of AZA accredited zoos to look at the animals there as well as spending time out in nature. And recently, uh, Wild Kingdom officially announced that if you go to mutualofomaha.com, you can stream all episodes of the new series for free. That's right. So it is available on cable television as well. But for those of us that have cut the cord, we can now go watch this awesome show for free. Uh, They've been working with the AZA for a while now. They even had a vendor booth at the conference in Baltimore. And um, like I said, a lot of the episodes feature AZA accredited zoos. So it's a cool opportunity to take another look at some uh, in situ and uh, also not so in situ conservation efforts happening around the globe. The San Diego Zoo Safari Park recently announced that two of their male gorillas, 14-year-old Frank and 11-year-old Monroe, have been moved to a newly renovated habitat at the Safari Park. This is because they were increasingly spending time challenging Winston, the uh, troop's silverback at the park, 
because they are getting older and that's, you know, what, what happens. Um, generally, young male gorillas will branch out from their troop between the ages of 10 and 15 to either form bachelor troops or to establish a family of their own. I will say that I, uh, you know, was at the safari park back in October and actually saw some of those challenges going down. And it was quite spectacular to watch, but also, you know, got to take care of all the animals. So now there is a separate exhibit where you can go and see uh, these two males uh, as they reach sexual maturity. And I'll be curious to see whether they end up forming a bachelor herd there or if they'll get SSP recommendations. Uh, We'll see what happens. But it's pretty cool that the uh, safari park was, you know, paying attention and knew that they needed to do this. And last but not least in Zoo News this week, Stevie Fox, the uh, Ambassador Fox that I love so much who was living at the Columbus Zoo, has moved to the Ohio Wildlife Center. Uh, Stevie is going to be there and she is actually going to be uh, joining some other Red Fox den mates there, Penny and Popo. So they're currently in separate enclosures, uh, getting to know each other and also doing the quarantine period and all that stuff. But yeah, now if you want to see Stevie Fox, you have to go to the Ohio Wildlife Center. On a completely unrelated note, I soon plan to send an email hoping to set up an interview at the Ohio Wildlife Center. Stereotypical animal podcast theme song. Here to bring you to conservation news. All right. Our first bit of conservation news is actually huge news. Really huge news. A company known as BioRescue has officially produced the first primordial germ cells from northern white rhino stem cells. This is the first time this has been done not only for rhinos, but for any large mammals. And basically what this means is that um, primordial germ cell-like cells, known as PGCLSs, have been created from induced pluripotent stem cells of a northern white rhino known as Nibire. Uh, This is the next step in the multi-pronged effort to save this now functionally extinct species. This was the next step in a process that now is believed to only have one more step that will allow for the production of artificial rhino gametes, eggs and sperm together, created from preserved rhino tissue. Uh, If this is successful, this would boost the availability and genetic diversity of embryos of northern white rhinos that we could then potentially put into the southern white rhino hosts, which uh, you've heard a lot about on this podcast. So yeah, this is a really big deal and congratulations to everyone involved. It is officially the season for right whale calves to be born in the North Atlantic. These calves, also known as whalets, um, are very vital to the species recovery, every single one of them, because it is estimated that there are less than 350 total North Atlantic right whale individuals left. At this time, uh, North Atlantic right whales are getting killed off at a much faster rate than they are able to reproduce at, and uh, that is mostly because of, yep, you guessed it, human causes. We suck. So uh, hopefully this will be a good season for whalets to start popping up, and uh, boaters will be more aware than ever and not, you know, kill them. All right, now let's talk about some new species that have been discovered. 
Uh, this one is one of my favorite stories in a long time, actually. Um, a newly discovered species of crab uh, that was found in Western Australia. Um, it's the Lamarck Dromia beagle, after Charles Darwin's famous ship, uh, does something really interesting. It wears a living sponge on its head like a hat. Um, the sponge's biochemicals help to ward off predators. And yeah, so this crab actually picks up a sea sponge and then they cut them down to size with their claws and perch them on their heads and wear them indefinitely. Uh, it is a symbiotic relationship and it is really freaking cool. And there are crabs that wear hats and that makes me, well, frankly, really happy. Uh, and then along with that discovery, uh, also in uh, in the down under, but in a different sense, but down under the ocean, um, researchers actually took cameras three and a half miles under the surface of the ocean. And they have discovered a bunch of different fish and other species that have not been identified before. There's a lot of weirdness. There's a lot of bioluminescence. There's a lot of really big, scary fangs. Um, there's a blind eel that is covered in loose, transparent, gelatinous skin. Uh, there's just so much interesting stuff going on. Um, yeah, there are hundreds hundreds of species, most of which they think have not been identified yet. So this is a really big deal. And it's so funny to me because, you know, people always say space is the final frontier because, well, a television show told us that back in the 70s. Um, but it turns out that uh, there's a whole big frontier in the ocean that we have not yet explored. And now that we're starting to, we are finding a whole bunch more biodiversity that we just did not know existed. Fusion reactions are the type of chemical reactions that power the sun and other stars. And for decades now, scientists have been trying to create fusion reactions on Earth that have a net energy gain. Basically, the problem is that fusion happens at such high temperatures and pressures that in order to make it happen, it actually costs more energy than it produces on Earth. Up until now, anyway. Uh, researchers at the Lawrence Livermore National Laboratory in California, for the first time ever, created a fusion reaction with a net energy gain. This is a huge deal, okay? Fusion energy, if properly contained and controlled, could be a wonderful source of clean energy that arguably could power our entire world with clean energy, arguably even free energy, although we all know capitalism won't allow that to happen. But this is a really, really big deal. Um, and of course, uh, the Energy Secretary of the United States, Jennifer Granholm, said that the breakthrough will pave the way for advances in national defense and the future of clean power. So, um, yeah, our government still cares more about defense, and by that they mean war, and by that they mean blowing stuff up, than about clean energy. But, but, but. 
but even they admit that this will help with clean energy. So that is pretty cool. This is actually a huge deal. Uh, this, you know, if you listen, if you like listen or, or read any sci-fi type books or or audiobooks or podcasts or anything, um, fusion-powered cars and fusion-powered jets and all that stuff are like the norm in futuristic stuff. Um, it just it's a good, reliable, clean energy. I'm not saying that because it's in sci-fi. It is, and then. You know, they use that in sci-fi. But yeah, so this is really exciting. This is this is a big deal, y'all. And on the other side of the good news thing, uh, Shine Fashion has been named the most popular fashion brand of 2022. This sucks. Um, Shine uses unethical working conditions uh, with employees working up to 18 hours a day and one day off per month. Um, they only pay roughly $556 per month to their employees. Um, the chemicals used to create these products are really toxic in some cases. Uh, researchers actually found out that a shine toddler jacket contained 20 times the amount of lead considered safe for children. And one in five items that they tested had very high levels of toxic chemicals. Shine primarily uses synthetic fabrics like polyester. Uh, these are made out of fossil fuels and they also release plastics into the environment environment and um it's considered fast fashion they aren't made to last so people will get them they will fall apart and then they will dump them and buy more of them and add a lot of you know gross microplastics and toxic stuff to the environment so that sucks and if you are a person who is using shine i highly recommend that you stop it that's s h e i n by the way although you know don't like go to their website and buy stuff. In other news. The state of New York has put in place a ban starting in December 2024 that prevents pet stores from selling dogs, cats, and rabbits. Investigations showed that many of the animals that can be found at these pet stores in the state are coming from puppy mills or, you know, insert other animal here, mills, where they are badly mistreated. And as such, uh, in order to remove the uh, incentive to do so, pet stores are going to have to stop selling these pets. So they might have to change their name. But hey, other than that, you know, if it's going to help cut down on, on bad practices, then I am all for it. And then my next two stories are just, I just, they're fast. I, mm, this is why I love doing zoo news. A hippo in Uganda recently came upon a two-year-old boy playing in his front yard and it ate him. Didn't like chew him up, but it swallowed him whole. At that point, a man saw that happen and started throwing stones at the hippo, which after a while appeared to startle the hippo, and the hippo then regurgitated the boy and fled into the nearby lake. Uh, and to be clear, the boy 
was alive. There is now a two-year-old child who was treated for minor injuries and was also given the rabies vaccination, but otherwise is completely fine after being swallowed by a hippo. That is insane. And then last but certainly not least, uh, scientists have discovered that female snakes have clitorises. It's true. And uh, for a long time, it was believed that was not the case. Um, It has been known for a while that, you know, male snakes have penises, but um, the female sex organs have been overlooked in comparison. And uh, it is believed that this was because there was a combination of female genitalia being taboo, scientists not being able to find it, and people accepting the mislabeling of intersex snakes. So, uh, yep, uh, snakes have clitorises, and this also uh, really opens up some theories about snake sex, uh, which may actually involve female stimulation and pleasure and maybe something they do for fun. And um, I can only assume that, you know, at some point a snake religion will rise up and, and tell people that this is naughty. <laughs> I'm kidding, folks. I'm kidding. And and that's it for Zoo. Wait, wait, hold on. Hold on. We have a breaking news story. It turns out that uh, some scientists have discovered male snakes who do not believe in the existence of the female clitoris on snakes, deny that it is a real thing, swear that female snakes cannot have orgasms, and even as we speak, are joining online chat rooms to become snake incels. Oh, animal, oh, animal, animal holidays, animal, oh, animal, animal holidays, hey! So, it is a friendly reminder to you all that from December 14th to January 5th is the Audubon Christmas bird count. But guess what? That's it. That's it for animal holidays this entire week. Y'all, there are no actual animal holidays from December 14th, which is Monkey Day, until December 27th, which is Visit the Zoo Day, which, while a very awesome and important day, is not truly an animal day. And then uh, December 28th, which is the anniversary of the U.S. Endangered Species Act, which again is cool but is not the same as like, oh, I don't know, International Red Panda Day. So look, I'm just saying if you want to make yourself an animal day, maybe December 15th to 31st or so is a real good place to do that, especially when we have some of those weird days that are just like a bunch of animals at once. Like, you know, November 29th was International Jaguar Day, World Anteater Day and World of Tamandua Day. Okay, I get the Tamanduas are anteaters, but still, 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 you could move one of those into this deep, dark void of the holiday season. I mean, I guess, you know, to be fair, one could argue that that's, that's probably why they don't do any animal holidays, because there are so many darn human holidays. But, um, yeah, I don't, I don't care. I don't like it. I want more stuff. I'm a nerd. Anyway, okay, uh, yeah, those are your, quote, animal holidays for the week, question mark. And there you have it, folks. Your week's Rasafari Zoo News is done, and I hope you all enjoyed it, especially because this was all time I could have spent prepping for my show even more. But I love you, and so I do. 
didn't. You're welcome. Uh, yeah, so I'd like to say thank you to Lara Shank, my Red Panda-level patron, and also to everyone who contributed stories this week, which includes Anya Keen, Colleen Lenahan, Kim Cooley, Kevin Williams, Nathan Burke, Lara Shank, yep, she's there again, Emily Weston-Hauser, Liz Dunlevy, and Crystal Chapman. Thank you all so much. And remember, friends, the words Newsy Credits Backwards are Steider Yeswen. The Rossafari Podcast is produced, hosted, and engineered by John Rossi. Editing and fact-checking by John and Dr. Zoe Vesley-Gross. Our theme song is Sevens by Nathan Burke, performed by Nathan and John. Interrupting John theme and additional voices by Taylor Isaac Gray. You can reach John directly on Instagram and Facebook at Rossafari or by email at rossafaripod at gmail.com. Rossafari is part of the Daydreamer Media Network. Now, stop listening to me and go visit a zoo.